I wanted to read for you the gospel lesson that goes along with my sermon for this evening before I begin. This reading comes from Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested and had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I will give it to you. And he promised her with an oath. Whatever you ask, I will give it to you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Lord be with you. And also Let us pray. Heavenly Father, when we measure ourselves by your law, we always come up wanting. We fall short of your perfect standards in every way. Apart from your mercy and grace, we would have no hope, but through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, we have certain hope in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection from the dead, and life everlasting. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we may know the hope to which you have called us, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've heard many pastors say this, and I feel similarly, uh, but often it seems awkward to read a gospel lesson like I just read, or even like the one uh, we read as part of uh, your lectionary lessons for today, to read that, and then to say afterward, as we often say, this is the gospel of the Lord. Today in the lesson I read for you about the execution of John the Baptist at the hands of the wicked king Herod and his wife Herodias, it seems weird to say this is the gospel of the Lord because gospel means good news and nothing in our lesson really told us any good news at all. Beyond that, our usual response to this is the gospel of the Lord is praise be to thee, O Christ. And after hearing such a tragic and gruesome story, it usually would not seem appropriate to give thanks and praise in that moment. But we'll come back to that concept. 
Today, indeed, I just read about John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was certainly a man to give thanks and praise to God for. John was a prophet, and even though John appears in the New Testament, we should really count John as the last prophet of the Old Testament. At least he was the last of the kind of prophets that existed before Christ came. John was the last prophet to foretell the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, we might call John the most blessed of all the prophets because he was the only one out of all the prophets to actually see the one in person that he was proclaiming. He was proclaiming the coming of the Messiah, who was his own cousin, Jesus Christ, and he got to see him in his life on this earth and as he began his ministry. John was much like the prophets of the Old Testament. One of the prophets of the Old Testament was Amos, and although their circumstances were different, Amos and John, and really all the prophets of God, proclaimed the same general kind of message. If we boil down the message that God gave to all of his prophets, it would really be the same as the messages that John preached. He preached repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And this is no different from the message that the church continues to proclaim today. We proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Another way to put that is we proclaim God's law and God's gospel, his good news. Now, the prophet Amos in the Old Testament was sent by God to preach God's law to the people of Israel in his day. And God's law is really nothing other than God's will for our lives. And by its very nature, God's law is the measure by which we are to be judged. And so, in other words, if we're not conforming to God's law, then we are sinning and we are worthy of God's judgment. We need to repent. And God gave Amos a simple but a powerful image of how he was to measure Israel's faithfulness to his standards. God set a plumb line among his people. Now a plumb line is nothing other than a, a string that has a weight at the bottom of it and when you hold out that plumb line uh, because of gravity it uh, stays completely vertical and then if you held up that line next to a wall or a structure of some kind you could see whether that structure was plumb or not, whether it was vertical, whether it was uh, in line with that plumb line and if it wasn't plumb, if it wasn't in line, then that wall or that structure needed to be either torn down and rebuilt or at least repaired in some way. And God used this image that he gave to Amos as a means of judging his people Israel. God measured Israel with the plumb line of his law, and when he put that law among his people of Israel, it was easy to see that they were out of plumb. They were out of line with God's law, and they were worthy of his condemnation. Now, returning to John the Baptist, John, 
his word, his message, his job to uh, the people he was sent to was very similar to the prophets of old. And the prophet Amos, he was to hold a plumb line up to the people of his day and see whether they were in line with God's will or not. And in the case of the lesson I read for you today, the ruler of Israel at that time was especially found to be out of line with God's will. King Herod was in charge at that time. It was the son of the King Herod that was around at the time of Jesus' birth. And King Herod was a wicked king, and there are uh, many things we could talk about regarding Herod's wickedness, but the thing John especially pointed out about Herod was that his marriage was against God's will. Herod had divorced his first wife, and he had married the woman who used to be his brother's wife. And the woman who used to be his brother's wife had divorced Herod's brother. So both Herod and his new wife were divorced from their former spouses and were now marrying each other. And beyond that, Herodias, who was Herod's new wife, she was actually the granddaughter of King Herod's father, Herod the Great. In other words, she was Herod's niece. And so Herod's marriage was all kinds of complicated and all kinds of out of line according to God's will. And John called out the sin of Herod and his wife, and the reaction that he got was really typical for how maybe even we ourselves react most of the time when we are confronted in our own sin. When God confronts us with our sin, he intends that we should repent for our sin, be sorry for our sins, seek his forgiveness and mercy and amend our lives. But is that how we always react? No, I would say most of the time, or at least our first reaction to being confronted in our sin is really to be angry or to resent the one who is confronting us in our sin or to harden ourselves against them. And indeed, this was the reaction of both Herod and his wife Herod had John put in prison, and his wife, Herod's wife, held a grudge against John. Such a grudge, in fact, that as we read about, uh, when she had the opportunity, she manipulated her husband into having John executed, even beheaded. Now, going back to the Old Testament again, in Amos' day, he got a similar response to his message when he brought that plumb line and held it uh, up against uh, the people of Israel and the king of Israel. The king of Israel at that time was Jeroboam, and Jeroboam had a prophet, Amaziah, and Amaziah gave a bad report about Amos to the king, Jeroboam. And so Jeroboam became angry against Amos because he had preached against the king, he had preached against the nation. And so Jeroboam wanted to make Amos go away, he wanted to send him into exile. But Amos, much like John, did not back down from his preaching. He continued to proclaim the word that the Lord had given him. Just like John and most of the other prophets of history, Amos was faithful to the word that God had given him, but also Amos's end was rather tragic. 
Legend says that Amos was, in fact, killed, much like John was killed. Amos was killed by the son of the prophet Amaziah, Jeroboam's prophet. Now, as we look at these prophets of old, we can learn many things about their faithfulness. First of all, we can learn about, or we can learn many things from their faithfulness. First of all, we can learn how it is we should receive the Lord's rebuke when we receive it. So when God speaks his word of law to us and warns us of his judgments, he does so not out of a desire to destroy us or condemn us, but out of a desire to change us and to forgive us. We read in the Old Testament lesson for today the Ten Commandments, and God gives us those commandments certainly to guide our lives and tell us how to live, but also when we look at those Ten Commandments, we can see how we fall short of God's law, and we see that we're worthy of God's condemnation. But God does not wish that we should be condemned. No, he wishes that when we look at his law, we should see how we have failed and desire to change, to conform ourselves to his law and to receive the Lord's forgiveness for the wrong that we have done. God wants us not to live in a, a wrong relationship to him, but be, to be restored to a right relationship with him. The kings like Jeroboam, kings like Herod, should serve as a warning to us as to how we should not respond to the Lord's rebuke. Those kings became hardened in their ways and continued in their wickedness. We can learn another thing from the faithfulness of these prophets. We can learn about how, us, how we in the church today should remain faithful to our calling, the calling and the message that God has given us. We too are called, like the prophets, to proclaim God's word, even his word of rebuke against sin. And when we rebuke the sins that we see perpetuated among us, we do it for the same purpose as Amos and John. We do it for the same purpose as God has for us. And that is not to merely condemn people, but to change them. We preach God's message of rebuke in his law for the purpose of bringing sinners to repentance for sin and to faith in God's forgiveness and his mercy. And like John and Amos, we must remain faithful to this calling even in the face of rejection or the threat of even punishment and death. God's word is the standard by which we live and we preach, and we must not be conformed to any other standard, the standards of this world. We've talked a lot today about the role of John and the prophets and our role as their successors in the church, but where does Jesus come into all of this? The only time we heard about Jesus in our gospel lesson is uh, what Herod had heard and said about him. We read that when Herod heard about all that Jesus was doing and of his miracles, he thought that John, the man he beheaded, must have been raised from the dead. Now, Herod, of course, was not correct in that assumption. 
But Herod, even in his foolishness, he did know something. He did get something right. He knew in some sense about the power of God to resurrect the dead. And he connected that power with Jesus. Although John at that time did not rise from the dead, not long after, Jesus himself would be tried under Herod and crucified under Pontius Pilate, and he himself would rise from the grave three days later. Now Jesus and his death and resurrection are at the heart of all that the prophets said and did. For without Jesus, there would be no opportunity for the forgiveness of sins. There would be no chance for repentance. But because of Christ's death and resurrection, God proclaims repentance and the forgiveness of sins to the whole world. Jesus' blood shed on the cross accounts for all of our sins, and his resurrection from the grave frees all of us from death. And God promises that the benefits of all that Jesus has done are ours by faith. And Jesus is also the reason that we can proclaim the word of the Lord in this world without fear, just as Amos and John did. We can be faithful to proclaim the truth, even in the face of those who would violently reject and kill us, as Herod did to John. We can do this because Jesus has overcome death, and he has overcome the grave, and the grave has no hold over us. John the Baptist was not raised from the dead at that time, but he could face even the wicked King Herod boldly, trusting that one day he would be raised along with all the faithful believers in the one he proclaimed, Jesus Christ. Psalm 56:11 tells us, In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? In Christ, we confess the same thing in the church today. We can be faithful to Jesus' word, even unto death. Wicked rulers can only take our lives. Jesus is the one who can give it to us, who even gives us eternal life. So indeed, though John's death is recorded in the Gospels, in the, what's called the good news, it does not seem like good news. But the good news is that although John was killed, as many of the prophets were killed, he remained faithful to the message that he was given to proclaim. He proclaimed God's law and rebuke for sin. And beyond that, he proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. And so though John died, he continues today, to this very day, to live in the presence of Jesus, awaiting the resurrection. And this is the same promise that we have today as well. Through the church of Jesus, repentance and forgiveness of sins are continuing to be preached to the whole world. And we ourselves are the beneficiaries of this message, that through faith in Christ, though we die, though the whole world reject and kill us, yet shall we live. And all of us, though we die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in Jesus will never die. And so this is the gospel of the Lord, for which we can say praise to you, O Jesus Christ. Amen.